Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I'm so blessed that you decided to tune into the broadcast today. I speak life to you today. And I'm praying that as you and I get into the Word of God, that this just comes alive on the inside of you and wakes you up, wakes you up to the goodness of God, wakes you up to the plan of God, wakes you up to how much Jesus loves you and what he's done for you. Let's pray together. We'll get right into the word. Father, we love you. We worship you. We adore you for every good thing that you've done, everything you're doing, everything that's yet to come in our lives. We give you praise and thanks for it. As we come before your word today, we come with eyes open, ears open, and hearts wide open, eyes open to see Jesus, ears tuned to hear his voice, and hearts that are open and ready to understand more about who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to get into the word with you today. I want you to open your Bible, if you've got it there with you, to the book of Psalms, and we're going to start in chapter 63. And let me say this to you before we really get into it today. If you missed any of the broadcasts leading up to where we are right now, we're, we're beginning something new, but I feel like it's important to make you aware of where we've already been. And man, you could stop right there and just kind of camp on that thought. You know, to find out where you're going, you got to find out where you've been, look at how far God's brought you. And, and I'm, I'm thinking back on some of the last broadcasts uh, that we shot, we did a series of messages called Alive in the Vine. Alive in the Vine. And I'm telling you, the presence of God was so on that and the anointing of God on His Word was so rich, even just in here ministering that over through these cameras and what went out around the world. We want you to, to get into that with us. We want you to hear those things if you're partners with our ministry, you may have already gotten it from us in the mail. We, we were so serious about that message. We sent it out to all our partners all over the world, alive in the vine. And really what we were talking about in those series of messages was about intimacy with the Father, intimacy in our relationship with Jesus and being watchful over the enemies of our intimacy, things that try to get between us and Him, things that try to separate us from him. And anytime Satan can separate you from what's bringing you life, he can cut off all your potential to bear fruit. And Jesus is absolutely interested in you and I bearing fruit in our lives, our families, our ministries, everything we set our hand to do. He wants it to prosper, but we've got to stay connected to what brings us life. And the reason I bring that up, uh, you may remember if you, if you watched some of those broadcasts, if you didn't, I'll kind of uh, fill you in on where we were. I was telling you a story, uh, something that happened in my life just a few years ago when my daughter, Jessie, Sarah and I were out one day and we got a phone call from her mom that our little girl, Jessie, was not feeling well. And by the time we got home, she was really not doing well at all. And all through that night, she was having a hard time breathing. She would wake up in the middle of the night unable to to breathe deep and there was just panic in her eyes and she couldn't speak. And I, I, I was doing my best to pray over her and speak the word over her and speak life and healing into her. But as I was doing it, the thing that alarmed me even more than the presence of that illness in her body was the total lack of power I felt coming out of me. And over the next 24 hours, we got her to the doctor. They, they pinpointed what it was. She started getting better right away. God was so good to us, so merciful to me. And even though she was doing better, I wasn't doing better. And I went before the Lord and said, Father, why, 
why was I not able to deal with this thing and speak to this thing and sense your power coming out of me and in my words to address this illness? And the Lord took me back to something that he had been trying to say to me for months at that point. See, for weeks and months leading up to that, the Lord had been calling me into this this abiding place with him. What do I mean by that? This place where I come into his word and don't let anything pull me out of it. Just stay in it. Just stay in his presence. And he would, he would say it to me like this every night as I was just trying to check out from a long day, being tired, physically tired, mentally tired, spiritually tired, just trying to check out with some mindless television watching. And I would sense the Lord say to me, Jeremy, press into me, press into me. And I'd make this split second decision that I just didn't feel like getting into the word. I didn't feel like studying. I just wanted to check out. And I knew looking back on that, that the Lord was trying to prepare my heart for what was coming. There was a time coming that I was going to need to bear some fruit, that my words were going to have to be powerful in the life of my family and my little girl. And he was trying to call me into this abiding place so that the power would be there when I needed it. And, I, and maybe you heard this as we ministered on those broadcasts. If you didn't, again, let me remind you, go get them, download them, listen to them. But it didn't just stop with Jesse not feeling good. A few weeks after that, Sarah's mom got a report from the doctor that said, you've got cancer and 10 months to live. And I'm so thankful that between the time I got that corrected after Jesse was sick and we shut off the television, we shut off distractions and we just pressed into the word and we pressed into God. Just two or three weeks later, that time we got the report from Sarah's mom's doctor, we had really just pressed into God and we were ready for it. And we addressed that thing in faith. We addressed it with the word of God. And it wasn't like it was before. They weren't just powerless words coming out of our mouths. No, this time, because we were in our abiding place, there was an anointing coming up out of us as we spoke the word of God. And long story short, 10 months after she was given that diagnosis, 10 months after that 10-month death sentence, her doctor told her and our family, there is no measurable disease in your body. And man, we still shout about that. We still give God praise for that. But how did that come? Well, it only came as we as a family made the decision, we're going to abide in this living communion with Jesus. We're going to stay in his word, stay in his presence, stay in worship, stay in faith. That's what the word abide means. It just means stay. So we really covered a lot of these things in the the whole month of broadcast that we shot leading up to this. And I don't have time to go back into it. But as I was getting ready for these broadcasts, you know, the thought really came to me with force. When it comes to faith, you look at the results that I'm talking to you about right now, praying over somebody with cancer and a few days, weeks, months later, they're, they're totally cleared and healed. And we look at that as the result of great faith. When you see a man or woman of God preach a message message or lay hands on somebody and a miracle occurs, you look at that and you say, wow, that's great faith. And faith is supposed to be producing results in our lives. But I'm going to tell you something. As we connect all of this back to staying in this place of intimacy with God, you know, you don't have any more faith than your 
relationship with God. And I need you to stop and think about that for a minute. The depth of your relationship with him will tell you the depth of how much faith you have. You can't just look at the word and the principles of faith and and the technicalities of walking and talking by faith and try to be proficient in the mechanics of it without having an intimate relationship with the one who your faith is supposed to be in. Your, Your depth, the depth of your relationship with God is exactly parallel to the, to the greatness and the depth of your faith. And I'm, I'm asking the Lord for a, for a better way to say that to you, but I'm, at, I'm, I'm hoping right now that you're grabbing a hold of what I'm saying to you because these things are inseparable. And I think we have a lot of people who've been frustrated in their faith. Like I was that night praying over Jesse going, where's the power? Where's the power? And Jesus is saying to you the same thing he said to me, Jeremy, you're trying to bear fruit without abiding and you can't do it. And as I was seeking the Lord over where to go in these broadcasts with you, he led me here to the book of Psalms chapter 63. And I want to show you what a passionate pursuit of God looks like. Matter of fact, that's what I'm calling this message in passionate pursuit of God. Now, one thing you have to establish right away is that you and I have already been passionately pursued by him. And I don't know if you're in a relationship, married, ever experienced any of that before, but, but if you never have, I believe it is, there's nothing else like it on earth to experience the love coming to you from another person, somebody passionately pursuing you. I remember when I met Sarah, it's a long story, and I've touched on it some before on these broadcasts, but for months leading up to the time before we ever met, ever had any communication with each other at all, I had seen a picture of her and man, she just got in my heart just from that picture. And long story short, I end up praying over this girl I've never met. And the Lord tells me, that's the girl you're going to marry. And I thought, cool, I can do that. And by the time I met her, I was already starting to fall in love with her. But that night we met Wednesday night, March 7th, 2007, I began right there a passionate pursuit of that woman. And that passionate pursuit only lasted about three months and I had to ask her to marry me. And then three months after that, we were married. And that passionate pursuit has increased And I I wanted her to know at that time in our relationship, I had it, it was so strong in my heart. I've got to, I've got to make this woman know how much I love her. And if you've never been passionately pursued by somebody, I'm, I'm believing God with you that that time is coming in your life because, not just because of the feelings that come along with it, it's because it's such, It's the picture that that God gave us of his love for us. And and even then, it still just scratches the surface of it. That love between a husband and a wife, the scripture said, that's that's what Christ and the church is, is this same relationship. All that to say, I passionately pursued this woman. But you know what was so cool was it wasn't just her standing afar off, letting me chase after her. She wasn't playing games with me. She wasn't trying to drag me along. 
I got to experience, as I passionately pursued her, I got to experience somebody else with those same feelings and that same assurance from God that we were in the right relationship and her heart was chasing after mine and mine was chasing after hers. And like I said, three months later, we're engaged. Three months after that, we're married. It was a whirlwind, but God was so in it and he has so used our story to illustrate to me and to her what a godly love is all about. And I wanna show you something, and I can already tell that this is gonna take us a couple of weeks to, to cover it. Psalm 63 is, is a picture of somebody in passionate pursuit of God. And like we said, God has passionately pursued us, but a relationship is supposed to be two individuals running at each other full steam, not one just chasing another. This is, this is God running at us and us running at him. That's why the scripture said, you draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. And I think sometimes we get the picture that that means, you know, we take a step, then he takes a tiny step, then we take a tiny step, then he takes a tiny step, and maybe someday we'll end up together. I don't think that's it at all, man. I think that moment you take, you even just begin to take a step of faith and love towards God, he runs at you, overwhelms you, overtakes you. You started to draw near to him and he drew near to you. That's the passion that you and I have been pursued with. But I wanna show you today the other side of that coin, if you will, and what it is to passionately pursue God. Psalm 63, this is David, and this Psalm has meant so much to me for so long. It was one of the first places in scripture as a young man that I really feel, felt like I got revelation out of it. And I saw in this Psalm, the pursuit, the pursuit of a relationship with God. Let's read this together. Psalm 63, and I'm just going to read several verses to you, then we'll back up and unpack them together. Psalm 63, verse one, David said, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And I'm praying for you right now as you hear these words, that they're not just words on a page. They're not dead and lifeless, but I'm praying right now that you hear the words, you hear the tone, you hear the passionate pursuit of God. This is what you and I are reading about. This is what you and I are witnessing right now is a man in passionate pursuit of his God. Verse six, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They'll, be, they'll fall by the sword. They'll be a portion for jackals. Listen to this though, verse 11. This is how he ends it. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak 
lies shall be stopped. The reason I read this whole thing to you is because I just want you to hear this tone. I want you just to get, begin right now to get a taste of what it looks like, sounds like, feels like to be in passionate pursuit of God. And one of the things I use this psalm as is a gauge in my own life. I come back to this psalm on a regular basis. I take stock of my own pursuit of God and his word and his presence. And I compare it to this and I say, okay, Lord, this is a picture you gave me. You caused these words to be written down for all men, for all time to see what it looks like from a man who had your heart and was after your own heart. And you caused his words to be recorded for eternity to show us what it looks like to be hungry for the things of God. And I use this psalm as a gauge in my own life. You call it the David gauge. This is, how are we measuring up here? And there are times when I look at it and I say, yeah, that's what I'm doing. David, I feel it too, man. I'm right there with you. And there are other times when I have to go back to it and say, all right, I got to reprioritize because my life's not looking like his did. So let's go back to verse one. And of course, there's no condemnation wherever you are in that. Just let the, let the word do what only the word can do. And if this Psalm isn't your experience and your relationship with God. If you read that and you think, yeah, that would be amazing to be that close to God. Don't, don't be in condemnation over it. Just ask the Lord, Father, I'm asking you to elevate my own experience to match your word. If his word is way up here and you feel like you're way down here, hey, don't sweat it. Just get in faith. Father, bring me up. Bring me up in my experience to match what your word says I can have. Back up to verse one. And let's take some time. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Let's take some time and really think about what David's saying here. In verse one, what did he say? God, you are my God. Just think about that statement just for a minute. God, you are my God. You know, we live right now in a society that pressures Christians and people of faith to keep their relationship with God, to keep their convictions and to keep their beliefs private. We live right now in a culture that is really pushing us to keep what we believe, keep it within either the confines of your house, keep it within the confines of the church, maybe better yet, keep it within the confines of your own mind, but don't let it out loud. They don't want it in the workplace. They don't want it in the school. They don't want it in the secular environment because there's got to be this great separation. There's that word separation again. And we dealt with that in that series, Alive in the Vine, where there's separation, there's death. Because separation means what used to be connected and the life that used to flow through it is no longer connected. Now there's death in that. Distance equals death. Separation is death. And the, the culture we live in is trying to pressure, pressure us into that kind of separation. Keep it to yourself, they're saying. Now, we got to put some perspective around this because I'm coming to you now from the United States. I know we have people around the world watching this, but right now in the U.S., and, and I realize it's the same in other places, Christians are, we're, 
we're a little too easily offended at times, guys. Let's be honest about it. Just because the guy making your coffee doesn't say Merry Christmas does not mean you need to pick it and stir up a bunch of strife and fight, okay? Just relax a little bit about it because the only reason I say that is put some perspective around it. There are other Christians in other places around the world whose very lives are on the line and they're being threatened on a daily basis. And if anybody ever found out that they believed in Jesus, it could mean that that somebody would put an end to their, their whole existence. So next time you're mad at the guy making your coffee, just relax a little bit. But the principle is the same. People trying to force us into a private, um, non-public display of affection for God. But I want you to notice here, what's David say? God, you are my God. What is he doing? He is claiming him. There's a big difference between believing there is a God and claiming him as your own. And David doesn't just say there's a God out there. He says, God, you're my God. He claims him. He claims him as his own. Even in and amidst the pressure to distance yourself from so-called religion or to distance yourself from your faith, distance yourself from people of faith, to try to blend into a secular society, don't you do it. Don't you do it. You be in passionate pursuit of God. And when you have opportunity to not just say out loud, yeah, I believe there's a God. Don't you take it one step further. Not only do I believe there's a God, he's my God. And what did Jesus say? If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before God and all the angels. Some of you with kids, I've got little kids, you know what it's like for them to just be acting up and acting a fool. Have you ever had kids and be, have you ever been tempted to not claim them? Like, I don't know whose kid that is. You know what I mean? Well, listen to me. No matter what you and I have done, no matter what kind of fools we've acted like, God will never not claim you. He always claims you. You're his. You belong to him and he's not ashamed to claim you. Why? Because he's in passionate pursuit of you not ashamed of you. So what would a passionate pursuit of God look like? Would it be somebody who's ashamed to claim him as their own? Would it be somebody who's ashamed to confess Jesus before men? No, it's somebody who feels no shame, who's not shy about it whatsoever. God, you are my God. I claim you. Jesus, you are my Lord and I claim you as my Savior. I can tell right now we're going to have to take another, at least another week of broadcast to really get into all of this, but I just want to give you a taste of what it looks like to be in passionate pursuit of God. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this, and if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.